Today we are so honored to have one of our premier church planters with us, having traveled all the way from South Africa. He's here to be part of our mission month. Pastor Alfred Kariuki Wamai. Pastor Kariuki came to know the Lord in this house in 1991. Served as a pastor for three years on our staff and then we planted he and his wife Edith in Zambia. And now today they're overseeing 13 churches in several nations there. Pastor, minister the word of God to us. We're so glad you're here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So glad to be here. What an honor. What a privilege. I'm humbled. And this is such an honor for me. I want you to know that I'm actually living my dream. Uh, being on the platform with people that I have long admired. Hallelujah. And such an honor to be here, Pastor and Miss Amy. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you for the honor. Thank you for the hospitality. I bring greetings all the way from Nelspit, from Miss Eat. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Sanbonani Ninjani. When I say Sanbonani, say Yebo. Sanbonani. Let's try one more time. Sanbonani. When I say ninjani, you say siapila. Ninjani. Amen. Genesis chapter 40 verse 6. We want to look at scriptures. We want to turn to the word of God just to give a brief look, a few thoughts on what the Lord would have us focus on today. Such an honor. Genesis 40 verse 6. And I want you to read with me, please. It says, and Joseph, somebody say Joseph. Joseph came in to them in the morning and he looked at them and saw that they were sad. And he asked, why do you look so sad today? And they say to him, we each have had a dream and there is no interpreter of it. Now in the passage we've just read, Joseph looked up. Now remember he was also in prison. And many times when our circumstances are not as good as we hope them to be, the general disposition, our posture is one of looking downwards. But Joseph looked up, and beyond just looking up, he looked at his fellow prisoners. And when he looked at them, he saw the sadness in their eyes. And when he saw the sadness in their eyes, he engaged them in conversation. And after engaging them in conversation, he acted to meet their need. And to meet the need that they expressed. You see, the devil is so focused at keeping us focused on our own issues. The devil is focused on keeping us focused on our own issues. That we do not realize that there are people all around us who are really sad. The people around us who do not have a relationship with Jesus are the most vulnerable people that you will ever meet. And we have in South Africa, we minister to the most vulnerable. And when we talk about the most vulnerable, we talk about the fatherless, we talk about widows, we talk about those that are, we have even single orphans, maybe the father or the mother has passed on. Those are most vulnerable but I, I put to you today that the most vulnerable are those without Christ. And so I remember in 2006, I went to Nelspruit and I stood in the middle of 
the, most, the biggest mall in Nelspruit, and I was quite overwhelmed by the prosperity that I saw. Now, I was not overwhelmed as an architect or as an interior designer or as a shopper, but I was overwhelmed as a church planter because I did not see any need. There was no apparent need. And so as I wondered, Lord, why did you send me to this city? What need is there? What need are we here to meet? Who needs rescue in this city? Because nobody looks like they need rescue. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me and said, I want you to look in their eyes. Look at them. And so I sat down at a restaurant and an and ice cream. And I, I, I began to look at people, look into their eyes. And I began to write down the impressions that I got as I wrote. And some of them were despair, some were hope, some were joy. And, and I, I just wrote those down because those impressions are what formed the beacon for us to plant Nelspread Lighthouse Church. Hallelujah. And I want to put it to you today that the most vulnerable people in our cities are those without Christ. And the challenge of the church today is that we can be so focused on the social aspects, the social needs, the needs that we see, but it's time for us to look up. Somebody say, look up. And look at. And when you look at people, you must ask them the question, why do you look so sad? You see, if they don't look sad, what you're doing is that you're drawing out the part that needs rescue. Can I hear an amen? You know, just last Saturday, one of our cell leaders received a call that her employer had shot his wife and then had turned the gun on himself. This is a 45-year-old billionaire, black billionaire, who turned, and the kids, they have four kids, the youngest being two years old, and the eldest son had the gunshot upstairs, and they rushed, but it was too late. And this cell leader was actually hosting the service last Sunday, and when she told me that on Saturday, I asked her, are you ready to host? And she said, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Because now I have even a greater purpose. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, and you know the text, it's news I'm most proud to proclaim. This extraordinary message of God's powerful plan to rescue, somebody shout rescue, to rescue everyone who trusts him. But you have to trust him. Starting with Jews and then right on to everyone else, God's way of putting people right shows up in the acts of faith. The, God, the gospel is God's powerful plan to rescue everyone who trusts him. And to rescue means, there's another meaning, but one of the meanings is to save from confinement. You know, I heard Pastor Terry Wong's message and he was quoting Matthew 9, 37 and he said, the harvest is plenteous. Then he made a mistake. He misquoted, he said, and the laborers are free. Then he corrected himself and said, a few. But I want to put to you today that before we can break through to rescue, we must be rescued ourselves. The laborers need to be free. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Hallelujah. The laborers need to be free. Hallelujah. Is the gospel still relevant? 
Does the human race still need to be rescued? Does the human race still need to be saved from confinement, from danger, and from evil? And the answer is a resounding yes. You see, while a lot of good has happened and is happening in the world today, we still face many challenges. Challenges that remain despite our best efforts. And the challenges remain because the root of man's problem is sin, S-I-N. Every generation, no matter how advanced, has to deal with sin and its manifestations. In fact, the more sophisticated a generation is, and I wrote this down, the more creative it is in its ways, types, and dimensions of sinning. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 verse 20 and 24 says, For all, how many have sinned? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But look at the solution, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption is still found in Jesus. Redemption is still accessed by trusting in Jesus. Things have not changed because the problem is still sin. And the solution is still Jesus. Come on, hallelujah. The answer is Jesus. What is the question? To every question you may have in life, the answer is still Jesus. And we must be careful that we exalt Christ. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, in the Passion Translation, I love this. Paul says, I refuse to be ashamed. Ay, 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 Yo, 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 yo. He said, I refuse to be ashamed of the gospel, of the wonderful message of God's liberating power unleashed in us through Christ. For I am thrilled, somebody said thrilled, thrilled to preach that everyone who believes is saved, the Jew first, and then people everywhere. This gospel unveils, I love this, a continual revelation of God's righteousness, a perfect righteousness given to us. It's given, it's mahala, it's free, mahala is free, hallelujah. Given to us when we believe. And it moves, watch this, and it moves us from receiving life through faith to the power of living by faith. Hallelujah. I want to talk number one, breakthrough to rescue by refusing the shame. Refusing the shame. Refusing the shame. In verse 16a, it says, I refuse to be ashamed. Amen. I refuse to be ashamed. You see, in a sophisticated city like Rome, some might have been embarrassed by a gospel that centered on a crucified Christ. That wasn't good news. It wasn't vogue. Because the gospel was considered a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23, in the New Living Translation, it says, and this is Paul, he says, so when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it is all nonsense. The Amplified says it is unphilosophical nonsense. And so the reason why Paul, you're wondering, why is Paul saying, I refuse to be ashamed? Because that was the prevailing culture. 
Christianity was considered the way. It was looked down upon. And so Paul is saying, I refuse to be ashamed because the gospel has got inherent power to deliver, to rescue. Hallelujah. The gospel. And you see, Christ is enough. Come on, hallelujah. I'm here to announce to you, and this is something you know, come on, that Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. You see, in South Africa, it's, it's, and I know it's everywhere in Africa, at least most, most parts, it's Christ end. Hallelujah. You know, where I am, when things, when, when the rubber meets the road, come on, when push comes to shove, people go to a sangoma, a witch doctor. And, and for me, I want to assume I'm preaching to my congregation in Nelspruit. Christ is enough. Hallelujah. That's all you need. For your deliverance, for your healing, anything you need in life, Christ is enough. And Paul is saying, I refuse to be ashamed. I don't care whether you're offended or you think it's nonsense. I refuse to be ashamed. Why? Because in the gospel is the inherent power to rescue. So when I come to you, I did not come with the wisdom of men. But in the demonstration of the power. Not in me, but in the Christ that lives in me and through me. Christ is enough. Come on, hallelujah. Jesus is enough. Christ is all you need. <laughs> hallelujah. Are you embarrassed to be identified as a follower of Christ? Does the thought of telling others about Jesus throw you into a state of self-conscious distress? That's the definition of embarrassment. Hallelujah. You see, in South Africa... The enemy is using shame to silence the church. And as I jotted down the impressions I got in that restaurant in 2006, there's something I missed. Because I could not tell by looking at people's eyes how shame looks like. And it's only this year. Yo, after 15 years. Yo. Because embarrassment and shame are not permanent. They do not last forever. Do not be caged by shame. Do not be confined by shame. What is shame? The mistakes you made, not before you met Christ, while in Christ. You pursued him and you followed him, but somehow things didn't work out the way you wanted. You see, the guys... In Joseph's time, why are you so sad? They said, we all have dreams, but there's no one to interpret them. And when you look at people's eyes today, people have dreams, but they are shattered dreams. And I dare you to ask them, what is your dream and how can I help? Because there is shame. I want to, you know, and this might shock you. 
In our church, we have about 150 people in the Matafin congregation. And it's taken us since 2006 to reach 150. I want to show you the need is great. But in that 150 people, there are no couples. There is no, there, there's no married couple who are born again. Most of my leaders are single mothers with shame in their life. There's some messages I preach. When Mercedes and I began that church, we would, we would speak the law. We, we, would, we would put, without even realizing it, is, is, is we are preaching the do's and the don'ts. And everyone will be looking down because they have failed in it. Many of them got kids. I mean, listen, there's one of our leaders who has got four children by different fathers and this she did while born again. So when I preach the law, the shame comes up to the surface. When I say you can be a leader, God can use you. And they're like, God, no, it's taken us 15 years to convince them that you can do it. Paul says, I refuse to be ashamed. But I preach that to them every Sunday. Don't be ashamed. Why? Because the grace of God. Paul said, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness was by the law, then Christ died in vain. So when we say he loves you, he wants to use you. Listen, 150, there is no married couple. Single mothers. Fathers, when I have baby dedication, I can have about 30, 30 children being dedicated in one Sunday, and there is no father. It's ladies, broken, broken. And the guys will not even support their kids. And so the women, when we speak to them, amazing women, the shame and the brokenness. Forget about South Africa. I'm here to speak to you. Some of you are carrying shame in your life. And God says, I want to use you. I want to use you. Come on. Redemption is by his grace. It's not by works, lest any man boast. It's by the, somebody shout the grace of God. And God is lifting you into a place. Come on, hallelujah. I refuse to be ashamed. I refuse to be ashamed. We are planting a church next year in the nation of Namibia. And this lady, Rosalyn, Rosalyn is, yo, we are, we are sad to see her go because she's been the most effective cell leader we've ever had. She's multiplied herself four or five times. But she told me, Pastor, I need to go because the shame has lifted. And we are sending her, next year, we are sending her with her son, Joshua. They come from Peter Marisburg, which is close to Durban. But I'm just speaking to her, come on, hallelujah, encouraging her, telling her you can do it. I want to tell you a story. And, and, and if it's theologically wrong, pastor will correct next Sunday, hallelujah. But in the nation of Zambia, hallelujah, <laughs> In the nation of Zambia, 
when we were in Livingston, we had a situation where in about one month, four pastor's wives went to be with Jesus. And we could not tell what was going on. We knew it was a major attack on the church. And what broke the camel's back is when one of the bishops in our city, his wife also passed away. And so I'm looking at it like, yo, you're not, uh, uh, And during the funeral service, we all came together for the funeral service of, of the bishop's wife. And you know how funerals are very well attended. And I remember the host pastor came. And as he was concluding the service, this is what he said. I could see him hesitating. Like there's something the Holy Spirit was telling him, but he wasn't sure whether it was, is it now or the next service. <laughs> and so he said, men and brethren, which would be really sisters and brethren, hallelujah. Hear me, men, men of God and women of God, hear me today. And we had dignitaries all over that space. And he said, when you make an altar call in your church, and no one gets saved. Do you get embarrassed? We said, no. When you make a prayer for healing. And no one gets healed. Do you get embarrassed? No. Then he said, pastors, we are always in a hurry to bury. But today, I want to make an altar call for resurrection. And he said, if you're a man of God, if you're a woman of God, I want you to come forward and we are going to surround this casket and believe God for God to raise this bishop's wife from the dead. And some, I was younger then. Now I'm 26, I was like 21, 20 there. So we, we, we all rushed to the front. Like, come on, this is awesome. Yo, yo, yo. I mean, it was an exciting day in Livingstone. And so a hundred of us surrounded the coffin and we prayed for resurrection. Say, God, some of us, when your faith is a bit, if it is your will, <laughs> heal her, hallelujah, <laughs> raise her from the dead. Nothing happened. Were we embarrassed? No. Am I the one who raises people from the dead? I can't even raise a mosquito from the dead. But through Christ, hallelujah. Nothing happened. He said, then he told us, okay, we finished. Nothing happened. Then he said, please, in the hearse, as you're taking her to the burial place, the one with her, please check. If you see movement, tell us. And so we went and buried her. She didn't rise from the dead. Are we embarrassed? No. What is our role? To believe God. And for God to do the rest. Hallelujah. Come on. I refuse to be ashamed of the gospel. Hallelujah. If you're dealing with shame in your life right now, wherever you are, just raise your hands to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Don't be embarrassed. That's how you get set free. Come on. Breakthrough to rescue. The harvest is plenteous. But the laborers are not just few. They need to be free. Free from confinement. As I pray over you, I declare that you will no longer be caged 
by shame. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. Come on. The grace of God is sufficient. God told Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. John chapter 1 verse 16. Out of his abundance have we all received grace upon grace. So I want you to receive grace. Just close your eyes. Lift your hands. The power of God is just about to come on you. Whether you feel something or not, God is moving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive the grace of God. There's a surgery that's happening in your heart right now. It's not by works. Yes, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But for right now, receive the grace of God into your life. Grace is the maker of men. Grace is the maker of women. It is grace that will lift you up. God says, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so this morning, receive grace. Receive. Just begin to cry out to God. Don't be silent. <laughs> I declare that cage of shame is broken over your life. Broken. I take authority over the spirit of shame. I declare it is gone. It is dismantled. It is broken right now. In the name of Jesus. You are free. As a laborer, you are free. As a laborer, you are free. Free to rescue others. Even as Christ has rescued you. Begin to worship. Begin to thank Him and worship Him. We love you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. He is worthy. The second part of breaking through to rescue is retelling the story. And many times what I have found is that people do not know. Every time I say, let's talk about Jesus, my people invite people to church, which is okay. But I'm saying I want you to invite them to Christ. I don't mind you inviting them to church. That's awesome. But you need to invite them. Retell the story. How do you retell the story? Not by telling people what Jesus will do for them. You tell them what he has already done and who he is. Who he is and what he has already done. Because the hype of today is what he will do for you. So we are putting a carrot before God's but tell them what he has already done and who he is. Who is he? I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said. Tell them about Jesus, who he is to you. Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. All I know is I was once blind, but now I can see. Retell the story. Let's stop telling people what Jesus will do for them. And tell them what he has already done. But more importantly, who he is. I am the truth, the way, and the life. I am the true vine, Jesus said. Without me, you can do nothing. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Just tell them. Plant that seed in their heart and let God do the rest. 
Hallelujah. Yes, invite them to church. But initially, I want you to tell them, retell that story. And tell people about Jesus. He is enough. He is enough. He is enough. Come on, let's worship him today. Jesus. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Thank you, Pastor. Can we glorify his name? What a powerful, powerful word. Come on, I see people who are free, shame free. We have been set free today. Right here. Come on, take hold of this. Everybody grab your card. We're praying three prayers. We're asking three questions. What can I give? What can I give? If I put this in my budget, what can I afford to give? Secondly, what can I give up? Maybe there are some wants that I can lay aside. And the third question, and if I add my faith to it, what can I believe God to provide? You may have already filled in this card. You may be all ready and prepared to come. A week from today, bring this card and I will instruct us on how we will present it. But in the course of this week in prayer, the Lord may talk to you again. It's okay. It's okay. You can just scratch out what you've written and put in what God is saying to you. Why do we do this? Because we are positioning Nairobi Lighthouse Church, positioning us to reach a hurting world, to break through, to rescue many, setting our missions budget for the next one year. I really want to challenge us to pray. Why do we have you write your name on it? Because when you put your name on something, it's a commitment. It's a commitment. It's not just a, an emotional moment where you just throw in a few shillings. Thank God for every shilling that's given. But we are committing ourselves that with the help of God, we're going to do make a difference in the lives of people this coming year. And I'm so blessed today to know that we're doing this. God is preparing an army of people who are broken, broken out from under shame. I love that. He looked up and then he looked out. I've preached the message of Joseph so many times. Never saw that. He looked up and then he looked at and he saw. Thank you, Pastor Alfie, for going to that mall 
Thank you for going to that mall and sitting down and looking at the eyes of people and for coming and teaching us and helping us and training us to look at, to first look up. Come on, from that which has had you cast down, look up. God bless you. Everybody have a breakthrough week, breakthrough to rescue. Go looking up, go looking at. God bless you.